This week on the RV Podcast. The pros and cons of Starlink Internet for RVers. Gas and diesel prices are on the rise again. Two must-have RV tools that cost less than 20 bucks each. Plus, travel tips, RV news, and your questions all coming up on Episode 461 of the RV Podcast. Hello, everybody. I'm Mike Wendland, and this is my lifelong travel companion and my bride, Jennifer. And uh, off uh, behind Jennifer somewhere over there, I don't think he'll show Mr. up in Bo. any of the cameras. Maybe he, maybe Bo. he'll show up over that way. There's Bo over I there. I don't think he's going to show up. He's in here with us so that he won't bark. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bo might have a couple th- comments to make during the podcast. But I really do think he prefers being with us. And once he hears us talk, he always comes. He has to come sit by us. Just a couple reminders that you can watch the video version of the RV podcast on our YouTube channel. Channel. And of course, for an audio only podcast, uh, you can listen to us on all the favorite uh, uh, podcast apps, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all those things. And uh, also at RVLifestyle.com. So there you go. Lots of ways to consume our content. That sounds weird, doesn't it? (laughs) A couple of updates for us. Uh, We're about ready to hit the road. We're hitting the road tomorrow to um, Elkhart, Indiana. There's a couple of new trends that we want to document. A new trend in fifth wheels that that's kind of interesting to look at. Uh, should make an announcement that we are not going to attend the Hershey RV show this year. Now, I know we go every year. We've gone, I think, uh, uh, 10 of the last 11 years. The only one who didn't go was the year of uh, COVID. And uh, instead, we're going to try a couple of other things. Uh, we've got um, a, a big rally we're going to attend, uh, an RV rally. We've got a family camp out for a video we want to do on fall camping. And then uh, we're going to attend uh, RV dealer open house in Elkhart. And for us, that's a better attend event than Hershey for the simple reason that it's not open to the public. And so we're able to get in and, and spend time in each of the our new RVs and do our videos. At Hershey, it just is too hard. It takes about a half hour of a video. It's just too hard to do it these days. It just uh it just got too complicated. Yeah. Um, some feedback that we want to pass along. And it's always fun to let you know that we love hearing from you. You can reach us anytime through our personal email account. And that's Mike and Jen at RVLifestyle.com. You want to take the first one we got? Yeah, this is from David. And David said, we bought our first RV this spring and looked forward to a summer of camping. That didn't happen. Not because the RV had issues, not because of anything on our end. There were no RV spots to book. We tried all summer long. We got in one state park in June, but every other time we tried at different state parks, the campground was all filled up. We took a chance and booked a private campground a few miles outside the area we wanted to visit. It was like camping in the ghetto. Sorry. No, thanks. We now regret buying an RV. And again, that was from David. And, and 
David, I feel your pain. We've mm-hmm. heard from others the same thing. We've experienced sometimes that ourselves. Um, there are not enough campgrounds. And uh, now I know the campground, quote, industry will tell you, oh, you can always get in. Well, the fact of the matter is you can get into some of those ghetto campgrounds like you talked about that are just run down and dilapidated. And um, But it, it is hard. It really is hard. And I think that um, that requires us to think of alternate ways to camp. And that takes us to the second piece of feedback. And this is uh, from uh, one of our followers named Cece. And she says, we've had a great summer camping. We used Harvest Hosts COE, that's the Army Corps of Engineer campgrounds. And we did some awesome boondocking. We love listening to your podcast as we drive. This is our first year as campers, and we're ready for a busy fall season. So there are different ways and different places to camp. Yeah. So um, hopefully you'll have better luck in the fall if you decide you want to camp. Because don't forget all these harvest hosts and all these places that we're always talking about in county parks. There are places out there. I mean, it, it's work to find them. Yeah. But they are out there. Yes, there are. There are a lot of nice spots. And then uh, Lucas sent us this note. He says, thanks for your tip on mobile our mobile RV techs. Uh, we've used them twice now this summer. Easy one-day fixes. I tried taking the RV back to our dealer, but they had no openings for weeks. The mobile techs came to us, one the same day I called, one the next morning. Your advice saved our summer camping. And uh, that is another thing that you don't hear much, particularly from these RV dealers that want to sell you the unit, but they can't repair them for months sometimes. Uh, So that's why we love to recommend RV mobile techs. Uh, There are not enough of them. There's a lot and there are more all the time, but uh, I'm glad that worked out for Lucas. Can't say enough good things about these techs and they have saved us many a time. Yes. And and in some really remote places, um, frankly, we don't even call a dealer now if we have an issue. We we tend to call a mobile tech. (laughs) We do. And uh, and they will come. They will come. And yeah, you do have to pay kind of a service fee up front, but you'd pay that at the dealer anyway. But you'll uh, you'll get fast results. Now, if they don't have the equipment, you know, the parts, they might have to order them, but they get them pretty quick and uh, you'll find them. Um, time to check in with the social media buzz. There's a lot of people out there on our Facebook group. 212,000 RVers, members of that group. Maybe more by the time uh, I think that's what it was yesterday. So it's amazing. And they have a lot to say and they're out there and they want to help you. Yep. Wendy Boyer keeps track of our social media buzz. And here's her report this week on what they're talking about on the RV Lifestyle Facebook group. Hi, everybody. I would love to share with you some stories this week of some ways the group not only cared for each other, but just kind of went beyond and above um, for some members in some situations. Um, The first example is from Amanda. Now, Amanda, she's from Phoenix, and she wrote that she was in Southern California Saturday when that tropical storm, Hurricane Hillary, was on its way. And she said that um, she was there for a wedding. They planned to come back on Monday, but she was watching the weather and feeling a little nervous. And so she asked the group, what would you do? They were at an RV park for the wedding. And the group just jumped in, and it was so great to see everybody showing real concern for Amanda and some practical, um, and some giving her some practical advice. Many said that she needed to get out of 
there as quickly as possible. Uh, we had folks in the groups who'd been in their RV in tropical storms and hurricanes and told her, you know, this is no joke what it was like. And then we had people from Southern California who knew the roads and knew the terrain and could tell her what it would be like and gave um, some practical advice on best routes to take and such. And so Amanda ended up leaving with her family after the wedding Saturday. She gave updates while she was on the road and it was great. People were really concerned. They're saying, where are you? Are you okay? And uh, it all had a happy ending. She made it out before the storm and back to Phoenix. And then another example like that is Donna. So Donna and her husband were brand new, first ever, she said, Class A owners. They literally picked up their RV from the dealership, drove it to their house, put the stabilizers down, and the stabilizers broke. They're, they bent. And she took a picture of it. She shared it on the group. And she said... We ruined it 10 minutes after getting home. And what was great to see with this post is people were just generally kind to her. You know, they're like, don't beat yourself up. It's okay. Everybody's done things. But then what was so encouraging is there was a member named Derek and Derek alerted Donna that there was a recall on her rig stabilizers. He apparently did a little digging, noticed that those pictures didn't look right. And he was right. So Donna was able to call the dealership, say, hey, is there a recall on my stabilizers? There was. Um, and the dealership came out and replaced those stabilizers for free. So big shout out to Derek for some really helpful advice for our member Donna. And then the last one I'd like to share with you is from Daryl. Now, Daryl was about to buy an RV. He was planning. He wanted to plan some trips and he wrote the group that he was feeling completely overwhelmed. He, um, knew what he wanted. He wanted, he did not want an RV sort of resort. He wanted more of a nature experience. He wanted to try to get in that real sweet 70 degree weather loop. But he just was looking at all the things to consider from his rig size to the weather to all these things. And he was feeling completely overwhelmed. So he asked the group, how do you plan? Well, nearly 500 people gave advice to him. And again, it was so great to see. People were sharing apps they use that are helpful. They were um, telling them some practical advice to maybe look for state parks, county parks, things like that. People gave them some route suggestions that are uh, good temperature-wise. Um, I thought of our seven-day adventure guides. Those are very helpful for people planning a trip because it gives you a route and some possible campgrounds and some possible things to do. But <clears throat> bottom line is there were so many suggestions for him. Hopefully he feels a little more um, confident to plan and can get that rig and get out there and have some fun. So that's it for me this week. I'm Wendy Boyer with a small sampling of what's going on in our, on our Facebook group. And I'll see you next week. Isn't that great to see how people help out like that? Oh, people love to help and they want to share their experiences and they want you to be successful. Yep. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about Starlink. And if you don't know what Starlink is, well, you haven't been RVing very long because it is uh, probably the hottest technology out there for RVers. It's been around, I think, three years now. Uh, it's basically Elon Musk's network of low orbiting Earth satellites that relay the Internet down through a little dish. I did a survey on uh, our community tab uh, on our RV lifestyle. Facebook or RV Lifestyle YouTube channel and um, about uh, 13 to 14% of all of the RVers now have Starlink and are using it. That's a pretty strong number. 
Anyway, we're going to talk about that and a lot of other things about the internet and uh, uh, being connected while you're in the RV with the top experts in the field. I mean, there's nobody better than the two experts you're going to meet in our interview of the week, which is coming up right after this. As you may know, Jennifer and I bought some land near Nashville, Tennessee. Now, for us, it was the antidote to crowded, expensive campgrounds and the end of worrying about reservations. It's a gorgeous area with friendly people, and it has been such a pleasure. The same developer has some new property in horse country coming up near us for sale September 2nd. It's called the Reserve at High Forest. Big properties, five to 67 acres. You can build a house, a cabin, or RV year-round. Prices start at $89,900. It is your property, your way, 100% ownership. And the scenery in this part of Tennessee, it's breathtaking. Garden, landscape, bring your pets, build what you want. There's high-speed internet, and it is so private. It's a great place to make your home base ready whenever you want it. They're selling these September 2nd by appointment. Five to 67 acre properties from $89,900. There's great financing and big discounts on multi-lot packages. For information, visit rvlands.net. That's rvlands.net. Welcome back now to the interview of the week. And the most common asked question we get out there is, how do you access the internet when you're traveling? It's amazing how important this is. And I don't think there is uh, any other topic that rivals the the uh, the number of questions we get. It's about the internet. There's a lot of pitfalls. There's a lot of people who've spent a lot of money. Um, there are some things that people are spending money on that they don't need. And we thought we would really dig into that and look at first this week. It's going to be a two-part interview. First this week, we're going to talk about Starlink. Uh, Starlink is probably one of the most uh, talked about options for RVers. Is it right for you? There are pros and there are cons. And it, and it has changed a lot over the last couple of years since it's been there still changing. Our experts are Chris Dumfrey and Cherie Van Art. They operate what is known as the Mobile Internet Resource Center. And we'll put a link in the show notes for this episode at uh, rvlifestyle.com slash podcasts. You need to check them out. There's no one who knows more about the internet. That's their full-time job for RVers and the internet. Uh, they take no sponsorship money from any of the companies. Uh, they are totally unbiased in their opinions. They are up-to-date and accurate. And so I thought, uh, let's talk about all the different options for, inter for internet, for RVers. And it turned into like a 40-minute interview. So we're going to break it into two parts for you. This first part, we're going to talk about Starlink. Now, before you run out and get a Starlink... Be sure and listen to this interview. Uh, I want to say that Starlink is getting better. We we swore it off for a year and just just uh, added it back into um, our different internet solutions. It's getting better, but there are some pros and cons. And Chris and Cherie are going to join us right now, and we're going to talk in part one about Starlink. Hey, Sherry and Chris, it's so good to have you guys with us today. Thanks for having us on, Mike. Wonderful to be here always. So you guys are the experts. There are no others uh, on uh, when it comes to mobile internet. And I really sincerely mean that uh, over the years, uh, your work and your efforts and the quality of your advice has been just spot on 
100% of the time. So uh, you have our great respect. And that's why we want to start talking about um, the biggest question so many people have is, is internet. And it changes all the time, I know. But among those is Starlink. So let's, let's start talking about Starlink. Uh, it's been a, a few years now. I think this is year three. Am I right? It's three? That's the third anniversary of them taking orders from the general public. And, uh, you know, it came with so much excitement. And then there was this drop off of disappointment. Let me just cut to the chase right now. Is Starlink uh, a good choice for primary Internet for those who are on the road? Maybe. Do you like shade? Um, and, and, and actually, it really comes down to we hear it from our audience of people on the West Coast. A lot of them are like Starlink is the best thing ever because big, wide open West Coast skies. People on the East Coast are like, I got Starlink. I'm sending it back. It's awful. I never get good signal because you're camping in campgrounds with lots of trees and it's dropping in and out, in and out. So maybe. Do you like shade? Do you like to be on the East Coast? So, But the, the quick answer is Starlink is an awesome complement to a mobile Internet setup. Now, if your needs are basic, you just want to be able to stream Netflix or Hulu out in a, you know, in a wide open area, it's fabulous. Um, if you need to work remotely and you need reliable internet connectivity and you're moving locations a lot, you're going into congested urban areas or you're going places with trees or you're doing off-grid boondocking and you don't have a power setup that can accommodate it, well, then cellular still also plays a role for those sorts of folks. Yeah, so for a lot of people, it's actually combining. Is Starlink isn't always going to necessarily, and actually for most people, isn't going to be the only thing they can get by with. It's just a matter of is it going to be your primary or a backup or just something you don't need at all. And it's definitely something that is incredibly useful because it works in Canada, works in Mexico, works in works. Death Valley. I mean, it works, works a lot of great places. Works for cellular, doesn't? Yep. Yes, it does. Uh, Alaska. I mean, I. I uh, watch that. But uh, I, I took a break from Starlink about a year ago. <clears throat> I was very disappointed. It, for this very reasons you were saying, uh, we do a lot of boondocking and it just wasn't working. Uh, we picked up a new fifth wheel and it had this great little black ladder on it. And it's perfect for me to put a Starlink pole on. And I was really surprised at how much better it was um, even under trees. And I've, I've heard some from some people that they've somehow improved that or it's because there's more satellites now. It's, um, it's more satellites. So the more satellites they launch, that means that the dish is able to see more as they're going overhead because these satellites are in constant motion. And as they're passing overhead, the satellite has more to lock onto. Yeah. And it's not like the old school RV satellites or satellite TV where you can aim between a gap in the trees and still get a signal because the Starlinks are moving across the sky. It's going to be passing behind whatever's over you. But as there's more satellites, the dish can fall back to like, okay, with the satellite over here passed behind a tree, but there's another one coming over the horizon over here. Maybe I could lock onto it and it's only a very short drop off instead of a long drop. And of course, as, as the constellation has grown larger, Starlink engineers have gotten better about being able to have that handoff with the dish between those different satellites. So yes, it has definitely improved under trees. Is it perfect? <laughs> no, but it is definitely improved. Yeah. <laughs> As we record this, I think I just read there's something like 5,000 of them now that are up there or about 4,600 in service. So yeah, it's in the 4,000s. I don't think they've hit the 5,000 mark yet, but yeah, they're really, they, they, they basically launch um, um, within once a week, once every two weeks, they're launching another uh, 58. 
less than that now, but yeah, they're, 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 they're cranking them out and they are going to be gearing up for their, 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 their real second generation, full size, you know, much bigger satellites will start coming online once they get the Starship rocket going, which will be able to launch these next generation Starlink satellites that are much bigger, much more powerful. And those are actually going to have some capabilities to even talk directly to telpho- cell phones in partnership with T- T-Mobile. So they're, they've got some interesting stuff in the pipeline in years ahead too, which is going to be kind of fun, but it, it, still, it's a long process to get that much stuff in space. Now, you know, uh, this week they're doing two launches, I read, one from Cape Canaveral and one from, uh, from Vandenberg Air Force Base. And they have this awesome uh, Falcon engine that that will go up and then come back, the, and they can reuse that, and it will it, they'll recover it. It will land on a ship in the ocean on this little pad. It's just amazing to watch the technology. Um, so, from what I'm hearing from you, it's it's a great service. It is um, if you really have to have internet, it's a backup or it's a supplement. Or it can be a primary, but you're probably going to want backup options. So okay. the places where Starlink does not shine is number one, under the trees. Uh, number two, in congested markets. So in areas where they are oversold, you could get to those areas, especially during peak times when everyone's streaming Netflix. Like evenings. Your evenings can mm-hmm. be really miserable in some places where Starlink and you know, some places people have reported that it becomes unusably slow in those areas. And it's very frustrating for them. Yeah. And also the power it, consumption is the other issue. It's been generally, if I'm I correct, it's been east and west of the Mississippi. East of the Mississippi, you know, it's it's generally not as, as good. And then west because of congestion and, and trees. It's really big cities. So there, there just happens to be more larger cities east than there are west. But, you know, you go into Phoenix, you go into Quartzsite. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, if you go in Quartzsite right now in summer, you have great service. You go in January, just like all the cellular carriers, right. you're going to get a slower service. And, there. But the but the thing is, then also, it's like a lot of those places that Starlink works the worst, the the congested cities. Well, those are places that have really great 5G cellular that can run circles around Starlink. And another area where Starlink also does kind of um, not live up to what a lot of people hope for is Starlink is is asymmetric, so it has really fast downloads. You know, uh, you know typically 150 megabits per second, but the uploads might only be five to 10 megabits per second. And when it gets congested, the uploads might be under one. And that's going to make a difference for people doing things like this broadcasting, yes. as well as uh, people who need to upload large files like YouTube videos, or if you have large documents that you're sending, yeah. those can take a lot slower, or you might get a lot of blips if you're doing a lot of Zoom calls where you're hosting or doing webinars. Um, those sorts of things might not be ideal on a Starlink only connection. Yeah. Like where we are, mm-hmm. we think- 100 megabit per second uploads on 5G cellular right now. So we're mostly doing this broadcast over 5G, but I do actually have Starlink in the connection bonded as a backup right now. It's, it's amazing how well 5G has be, has yeah. come in the last couple of years. Um, but sticking with Starlink for a while, um, one of the things that's so confusing is they seem to change their plants several <laughs> times a year, and they change their equipment. Yeah. So let's let's maybe start with equipment. Uh, okay. What are the options that RVers who don't have Starlink need to need to be aware of in terms of what do I what do I need to get? All right. So there are two options right now that a mobile user should be considering. One is the standard dish. That's the one that you'll see deployed on the ground. It's the you know, typical but, one they sold to houses as well. Right. So it's um, it's the one that has been around the longest. That's the one that's five hundred and ninety nine dollars on their uh, 
website right now and has been for a while now. So hopefully that price stays firm. Who knows? They could change it tomorrow. But that one is the standard dish. That one uses a decent amount of power, but it is manageable. Um, and it's the one that can move with the satellite. So when you, you get to your campsite, you maybe set it up on the ground, you hoist it up a pole, and it will auto-rotate and try to find the best angle to the satellites. Where, best conditions, yeah. And then you're online, you get great speeds with it if you're in a non-congested area and you don't have obstacles, um, and then you can use the different plans with that yeah. dish. Now they have, yeah. also, oh, they have another yeah. um, Starlink dish, the, the Starlink Flat High Performance, um, that is one that does not have any moving parts. It's designed to be used in motion, potentially. It's um, you know, basically a solid, much bigger pizza box type shaped thing that you can mount on top of an RV. It's designed to be more permanently mounted. Um, and that one has got inside of it a lot more electronics. It can lock on to you know, track more satellites at once. Um, you won't practically see much better performance, but you'll see better resilience under trees and stuff like that. But that one is much more expensive. It's $2,500. Wow. Uh, the 599 one does not work in motion. So you can't use it while you're driving down the road. You're not supposed to. Okay, yeah, so exactly. not supposed to. It is not certified for in-motion usage, but uh, Starlink just recently changed their terms of service. They used to prohibit it. Now they're saying you can use it at your own risk. Um, ah. and, and now on their standard mobile plan, uh, not the, if you get the residential plan, there's no in-motion use included. The mobile plan includes um, up to 10 miles per hour. So um, if you're in traffic, stuck in traffic, <laughs> you can go get a traffic report. Us on boats. <laughs> We can use it while we're underway. Um, up to 10 miles per hour is what's going to be allowed on that. And they are now saying it is at your own risk. They're meant, no liability if it falls off your RV while in motion. It's, it's, not, it's designed, not designed. It's not designed for it. It can roll because it's constantly using motors to change locations. They're not warranting it. You void your warranty using it in motion. All right. yeah, but but the, it, uh, that's a big plus because I know there were a lot of videos of people who have hacked it. Uh, they've mm -hmm. come up with their own way to mount it on the roof and use right. it as they drive down the road using an inverter and in the RV. And yeah, some people have done some pretty serious hacks where they remove the motors and basically flat mount it and turn it into a, a, a flat dish. It doesn't have, again, it doesn't have all the, the capabilities of the full-size flat high-performance one, but it, it clearly works. They're not actively blocking it. Um, they, they have said supporting it. They said that you will get up to 10 mile per hour. Um, at present time, we have not seen them actually cap it yet. They, we've seen them experiment with it over the last few months. Of blocking faster speeds. Yes. But um, at present time, exactly at this moment, <laughs> it does actually still work in motion. It, it, so, they have said in their terms that they are, will be blocking it down to 10 miles per hour. But, but for, for most RVers, the practical thing right. is, is the 599 one, you set up when you get to the campsite, right. you take right. it down and, and put it back up the next, when you get someplace else. Right. And, and the advanced plan is if you are parked under trees, you've got more more flexibility to move the dish somewhere with less trees. Yes. Yeah. Um, one of the equipment questions before we get to the different plants is that a strong criticism that I've heard from so many, and I wonder if there's workarounds for that now, I, I'm sure there are, uh, the proprietary connectors on the antenna. Mm -hmm. um, so many of our RVs have satellite connectors, but they won't work with Starlink unless you have an adapter. Are those widely available adapters now that you can you can use? No, there's, there's not. There, there, you can cut the Starlink cable. They've got proprietary connectors on each end, but it is 
Ethernet cable inside and you could put your own Ethernet cables on, but that is a pretty advanced um, electrical task. So you'd want to have somebody who knows how to do Ethernet cable wiring do that modification. They do swap a few pins. So it is not an easy thing to do. And those, those ends are awful. And so people who are setting up and, and, and doing Starlink, you know, setting it up when they get to a campsite, if you drop it in the grass and a little bit of dew or water or sand gets in the end of the connector, it can ruin the connector. It can ruin that cable and you have to replace it. And we actually advise people, if you're going to be setting up Starlink, buy a spare cable because right those cables are so easy to damage and those cable ends and are it can, so easy And it can to take damage. Starlink a couple of weeks to get you a new one you and then you're down. So have a spare cable or uh, you will be very hosed someday. Yeah. Uh, and, and you would think that the RV manufacturers with so many people using Starlink now would would build a plug it into the RV on the side of the RV so you don't have to stick it in through a slide out or run it through yeah, a window. You know, as soon as they did that, Starlink will change something because Starlink changes things every two yeah. months. And, <laughs> and we do expect there will be a new generation of Starlink hardware sometime before the end, likely before the end of uh, 2023. So, so again, Starlink is working on and they started to do some FCC submissions for new hardware and hopefully they'll take into account the feedback of how bad those connectors are and they might change absolutely everything again when the new hardware comes out. So who knows what Starlink will do. Given, the, given the, uh, the OEM market to uh, actually integrate something like that in and the pace at which Starlink is changing, I, I think that's a... Uh, <laughs> It's an unrealistic expectation at time for the RV manufacturers to build it in. All right. So there's some issues they need to know about the equipment, and we've kind of covered those. Now the plans. This okay. is the most confusing thing. Just as soon as I write an article that describes the plans, yeah. they change them. Uh, it seems they've settled into something that they're they're fairly comfortable with for long term for them, which would be just a couple of months. But right. where are we now? Change was in May and it has not changed since May. So three months is good. <laughs> yeah, for Starlink, yes. Starlink. So they have uh, three plans that RVers should consider. First is standard. Now, this is what comes for their residential service. This is meant for fixed locations. Um, but if you can qualify and get service at a fixed location address as a service address, maybe it's where you're ordering from or somewhere you're visiting, get that plan because you can get it for as low as $90 a month or 120 if it's in a excess capacity Most areas, area. it's 120 How Most, yeah. you'll pay $120 a month. And that gives you priority, well, standard service. You're not getting yeah. business priority, but you're not getting the RV. You're getting but, standard higher priority service on the network. And, and, but that plan only works at your registered service address, which you think, well, that's not compatible with RVers, but well, RVers stay in locations for extended periods of time. And you can just go to the Starlink website and change your address when you move. So it adds an extra step and a ha bit of hassle. And it's not always guaranteed they will accept your new address. But we've found that plan works pretty well. It's just change it when you go someplace new, change even, your address. Even going to places that you can't order Starlink service because they show at capacity, you they can. still have some room built in there for Let standard it customers to move to locations and change their address. So we've actually been moved. We, we have kept standard service since we got our dish three years ago. Um, and we have been moving around to major metropolitan areas and so far have not had to switch to the other services. Yeah. So then the other service is the one that is officially supports automatically connecting wherever you go. It's the, their um, mobile service. Mobile service. It used to be called Rome and RV was the plan before they kept renaming it, but now it's Starlink Mobile. And that one is $150 a month 
for use in your own continent. So for North America, that's going to include Canada and Mexico, which makes it great for roaming. And that one, you don't have to change your service address at each time you move. It just will work wherever you go. But you're always at best effort service, which if you're used to cellular terms, that's deprioritized service. So you're going to have slower service than a standard user at the same address if it's congested. Because they Starlink did that so that mobile users, RVers coming into a town won't make the residential customers go slower. So all the residential customers in that town have higher priority than the mobile users passing through. And there is a different version on the mobile called Mobile Global, that if you need to move beyond North America, that one's $200 a month. Same sort of deal, though, but it takes you to any land area around the world that they have service at. Practical purposes about congestion, an RV park with eight people running Starlink or 10 people or however many have Starlink. And that's going to end up being very congested, isn't it? In one specific little location like that? Well, but the, the Starlink beams are spread out over About 15 miles, 15, 20, 50 miles. I mean, and depending on how the satellite and the, and it's, it's not just your RV park. It's it, the, the, the service area is a lot larger than a cell tower cell. So there's a lot more people you might be competing with and they might be, 30 miles away and still sharing. So local residents, if you're like in an area like Quartzsite during winter, you've got a huge swath of land out there that you could have hundreds of Starlink users. And yes, you'll feel feel it then. But just eight or nine dishes in the same RV park, unless everyone's doing like really, really high bandwidth stuff, Mm -hmm. not as much likely. It's going to more depend upon how many other Starlink users are in that cell. Yeah. What if money's not the object and you want uh, roaming mobile service the best you can get? Is, is there a solution to that? Yeah, they have a, a higher tier of service called a mobile priority that you basically, instead of having unlimited data, you switch to paying for data as you go. It gives you priority service, so you're going to get above that best effort service of the mobile plan. Even above their standard residential service. This is business priority. So their priority data that you get. So it starts at $250 a month and it gives you 50 gigabytes of priority data and then unlimited after that at best effort. But that priority data gives you the higher priority data as well as official in motion high speed use. So if you have that flat dish or you're willing to take the risk of using the standard dish, you can get in motion. So you can stream while you're going down the highway, but that gets pricey. That's 50, 50, 50 gigabytes. gigabytes goes fast. Once you use it, you're switched to standard or actually mobile. These words are so confusing. You go back to mobile service, the non-priority. So it's best effort, 10 miles per hour in motion use. And and or or you keep paying per gigabyte, depending on how you $2 per gigabyte. gigabyte. Or you can get um, a $5,000 per month for five terabytes. (laughs) (laughs) Money is not an object. Yeah, forget what it is. the (laughs) The other thing that you get with the priority data not that it applies to RVers very often, is you do get ocean usage. So for people on boats like who go across oceans, you get in the middle of the ocean. Uh, so uh, for that $250 a month service, the 50 gigabytes at priority, that's really not very much. No, not at that's all. That's really I mean, much. I mean, you, you can stream four movies and use that. But one of the nice things is you don't need to go to the mobile priority plan to get priority data. Even with just the basic mobile plan, you could turn on priority data and pay the the $2 a gigabyte to have it when you need it. So if you do want to do a trip and you want to be guaranteed to have service while going at 60 miles an hour down the freeway, or you want to 
go on a well an RV or you're not going to be going out to sea, but for somebody who's going on maybe a ferry trip or something where they're going to be out of out of land coverage and they turn left. on mobile priority yeah. only when you need it and then turn it off when you get to shore. Yeah. So if you know you have a Zoom call that you have to do while underway, hopefully as a passenger, um, <laughs> yeah, you can turn on and just buy at $2 per gigabyte as needed. Really? I didn't know that. That's, yeah. that's really good yeah. to know. So when we want to do like our ask us anything Sunday night thing, I'll turn on priority and turn it off at the end. And that will also help you get above the congestion too. So if you're in an area where the market is like, huh, I'm, I'm struggling, I'm in quartzite and I want to do a work call, you could turn it on for the duration of that work call. Hey, the $2 a gigabyte, which won't, you know, for a work call won't go too badly. You know, it might cost you four or five bucks and then turn it off when you're done. Make sure you turn it off when you're done. So your Netflix streaming doesn't cost you a fortune because you forgot to turn off priority. And we've seen that happen to people and have gotten crazy bills. <laughs> well, look at this. We have talked about Starlink alone for 20 minutes and we've got more to talk about, but, um, we've run out of time for this, uh, this episode. How could you guys come back next week? Can we talk next week about, Absolutely. and we'll talk about, the non-Starlink options for RVers. What's the latest out there for them? Can you, can you do that? Absolutely. Sure thing. We'd love to. All right. Uh, real quick before this one ends, tell everybody how they can connect with uh, with you guys. So we run the Mobile Internet Resource Center. That's at rvmobileinternet.com. And there you'll find a bunch of free content that is provided by our members. So we are all community funded. We don't take sponsorship advertising. We're not affiliate incentivized. Um, so we try to be as unbiased as possible. We also have a YouTube channel that you can find at Mobile Internet Resource Center. So we try to do a lot of our news stories as video content as well. You'll find a lot of free guides. Yeah. And then our deeper content is included with our membership program. And we have a, a particular guide just for Starlink at uh, um, rvmobileinternet.com slash Starlink that dives into, and we keep this guide updated, sometimes seems almost every week of all the little changes that SpaceX is making to the Starlink plans and service and hardware. We will link to all of them in the description below and in the show notes for this episode. And we look forward to talking to you guys next week. All right, uh, fabulous. and Chris, thanks. See you next week. Sure. I think what's really amazing is at least once, maybe twice a week, they're launching more of these satellites. That constellation is really growing. It's doing nothing but getting better. Yeah, yeah. And it will continue to get better, as uh, Chris and Cherie said. So come back next week. And uh, now we've got Starlink talked about. We're going to talk about all the other ways you can access the Internet. And before you spend a fortune, which you can, uh, that you might not need to, you'll want to listen to next week's. Uh, portion of the internet. Again, uh, Chris and uh, Cherie operate the Mobile Internet Resource Center. And if you go to the show notes for this podcast episode, you'll find a link to their uh, resources that you really should check out. Uh, and the, you can find the show notes at rvlifestyle.com slash podcast. News of the week coming up right after this. The one thing that can ruin a perfect RV trip is a bad mattress. And believe us, we know over the years, we've tried many and found them all wanting until now. Now we sleep on the RV mattress by Brooklyn Bedding. Quite simply, it's the best we've ever slept on. We chose a queen-sized Aurora Luxe medium firm mattress that arrived tightly rolled in a box. All we had to do is put it on the bed, unroll it, and wait for it to recover from the compression. Then we put the sheets and the bed covers on, and we found we slept so well on it that we ordered another one for our home. That's how comfortable it is. Our sleep is now so luxurious and deep that we can't imagine using a different mattress. Shipping is free. 
And if you're disappointed with the current mattress in your RV, you owe it to yourselves to try the RV mattress by Brooklyn Bedding. Brooklyn Bedding sends out all of their RV mattresses from their own factory in Arizona. That means they're able to use premium materials at a reasonable price for you with no middleman bringing up the cost. And right now, if you visit rvmattress.com slash rvlifestyle, you'll get the maximum discount off your mattress with the promo code rvlifestyle. Again, use the promo code rvlifestyle for a big discount on your RV mattress by Brooklyn Bedding. We're sure you'll be as thrilled with your RV mattress by Brooklyn Bedding as we are with ours. It really is the most comfortable mattress we've ever slept on. Welcome back. It's time now for the RV news of the week. And here's the first story that it's not a very pleasant one for us. It seems like every week we end up talking about gas prices. And now they're saying the gas prices are being affected by the weather. And that does make sense, doesn't it? AAA came out with this report that the weather does have a lot to do with how much you pay for your gas. So sky high temperatures in Texas, Oklahoma and Kansas mean refineries can't run normally because it's too hot and it causes them to curb production. And hurricane season season is just around the corner, which could affect production as well. So the results are rising gas prices. Mm. And uh, as we usually say in Illinois, Hawaii, Alaska, and the Western states, the gas costs more with an average gallon price of 523 to 4.17. This is according to AAA. And states with the lowest prices generally are in the South and they average about $3.60 to $3.32. And you can add about 40, 50 cents to each gallon if you're buying diesel instead. Um, so that was the excuse for the recent price hike. Now there'll be another one because pretty soon they switch from the summer blends to the colder weather blends. And there's always a spike hike then. Mm -hmm. And, uh, as you said, the hurricane season is coming and, um, Let's just face it, gas prices are high. They have been high for a number of years. They kind of go up and down, but they're on the way back up again. Uh, one, one other story that I just want to pass along. We've been talking about this Perside uh, meteor shower and how awesome that was. It's just kind of winding up right now as this episode is being released on the uh, 23rd of August and 2023. But uh, a lot of people have flocked to our national parks and at one of them in particular, um, Mount Rainier National Park in Washington, Rangers said that uh, it was really out of hand. Uh, mounds of trash left by people running out there and they were putting uh, blankets down uh, over delicate meadows and they uh, were crushing blooming wildfires uh, and they damaged them. And, you know, at first I saw this, so I said, oh, you know, okay, so what? But then they say that many of these are such fragile plants, they only have a few weeks to grow and produce seed. And they're saying now it's going to take decades for those meadows that were trampled by uh, meteor shower viewers last week. It's going to take decades for that landscape to recover from those 
crushed flowers. So yeah, those little flowers are so delicate. Yeah, and beautiful flowers. We did a video once. I have to try and find it and link it in the show notes of of the wildflowers at Yellowstone. Mm -hmm. And oh my gosh, that was a fun video. It was really fun. All right, the RV industry is uh, looking forward now to some coming events and uh, keeping track of industry news for us this week is Rick Kessler. Rick is the executive editor for uh, industry leading publications, RV business and Woodall's camping magazine. And uh, Rick tells us uh, what's on the horizon for RV industry folks. Hey, thanks guys. And hello again, everyone. Well, let's start out with Airstream, which just hosted its annual dealer meeting this week. One of the things that they do at this meeting is show off what they've got in store for the new model year lineup. And I really wish I could share what Airstream has in store for 2024, but we were all sworn to secrecy, though. The good news, and this is what I can say, Airstream is going to launch their new products on September 12, which is just in time for the Hershey RV show that opens the very next day. Hey, and speaking of the Hershey RV show which, by the way, is actually known as America's Largest RV Show, we just spoke with Heather Leach, the show's organizer, who says this year's show is coming along very nicely. Once again, the show will feature some 1,500 RVs on display on the grounds of the Giant Center in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Plus, there's about 200-some exhibitors, including RV parks and campgrounds and all sorts of RV parts and accessories. Get your tickets now. They're available at largestrvshow.com. And lastly, KOA reports that more campers intend to camp over the Labor Day weekend this year compared to last year. In fact, KOA says 75% of campers have already made plans for the holiday weekend. And my guess is if you don't have reservations by now, you'll be hard-pressed to get some. Well, that's the news from the RV industry. We'll see you next week. I am so glad that we didn't go to that Airstream show because I couldn't keep a secret. They probably know what they're doing, but we're not invited. Uh, hey, when we come back, we've got a great uh, tip of the week from Brenda of Queen Bee RV. She's going to share two really cool little tools that every RVer should have, and they're not expensive. How's that for a practical tip? Tools that aren't expensive. Oh. We'll be right back. When we're asked what's the most important modification we made to our RV, it's an easy answer. Battleborn batteries. Battleborn batteries are quality, safe, reliable lithium batteries that allow us to stay out there off the grid longer. Lithium batteries charge faster, they charge fuller, they're longer lasting, they're maintenance free. And Battleborn batteries are protected by a 10 year guarantee. Now, in our case, they just dropped into the existing AGM batteries that we have, and they'll probably be the same on your rig, too. Battleborn battery experts can get those in your rig just like they did with ours. They can also match you up with the right cabling, the inverter, the charger, the solar controller, everything. Jennifer and I swear by our Battleborn batteries. They allow us to boondock off the grid. Check them out. Go to rvlifestyle.com slash lithium rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. Welcome back. And now it's time for the RV tip of the week. And this tip comes to us from um, Queen Bee RV herself. And that's uh, Brenda. She's a certified RV inspector. And her 
passion is on educating RVers how to take care of their RVs, especially women RVers. And she's a regular contributor to the podcast. Uh, we'll have her on as a, as an expert guest uh, frequently throughout the year. And uh, Brenda has uh, a great tip on a couple of important tools that every RVer should have. Hey, everybody, I'm coming to you from the beautiful Poconos area of Pennsylvania this week. And I wanted to tell you about when I first got into RVing, I got out on the Internet and I looked for all the checklists I could find for tools and gear, everything that I could take out on that maiden voyage. And then over time, of course, I figured out that I can slim down the list. So today I wanted to share with you. These are my two favorite tools that I keep with me as an RVer and as an inspector when it comes to troubleshooting problems and looking for repair issues. Issues. So the first one I wanted to share with you is this nine in one screwdriver. This is one that I believe we got on Amazon for anywhere from 10 to 15 bucks. It's got a bunch of different tips on it that you can, that are interchangeable. It's got the flathead, the Phillips. It's got this square head, the number two square head fits a lot of screws in the RV. It's really handy. The things I use this for are, for example, I will, um, maybe I need to get behind a false wall and access the water pump for either a uh, repair issue or to winterize. And I've also used this to take down the cover um, on the interior air conditioner area to access the plenum so I can make sure that that uh, divider, the dam, has not become compromised and is allowing supply air and return air to mix and subsequently not uh, cooling down the RV. So a bunch of uses for this thing. I think you will really find that handy. The other tool that I love and I never leave home without is my multimeter. These are, there's a variety of price ranges on these. We have one at our women's RV workshop that I think we got for about $28 on Amazon. This one I use as an inspector. I think I paid probably between 150 and 200 for this. And then there's ones that are 300, 400 and above. The functions that I really like that we teach at the workshops that I really like to tell people about, first of all, I would love for you to learn how to test your battery voltage at the battery without using your monitor panel inside. Just check that health status of the battery. You'll be setting the multimeter on volts DC, and then you'll be putting the probes directly on the positive and the negative terminal on the battery. And then I know the healthy status for AGM gel and flooded lead acid as well as lithium. Another test that you can do is check the integrity of your converter. Now, whenever I'm plugged into shore power and I do that same test at the battery terminals, I should be reading at least half a volt higher if the converter is operating properly. So that's a great troubleshooting tip as well. One other thing that we teach that you can use this for, if you want to check those little blade fuses in your 12 volt panel to see which one is blown, if you don't have those little indicator lights telling you which one is blown, you can check the integrity of those by doing a continuity test. Same thing, set it on continuity. Mine is on the same setting where uh, ohms is as well and capacitance. And then I set the little leads on those, just the metal prongs on the blade fuse. And if I hear that alert, I know that the fuse is not blown. So I hope those tips were helpful. And now you know what my favorite tools are. Hey, ladies, are you a female RV traveler? Want to learn more about safety, troubleshooting problems, and maintaining your own RV? Head over to queenbeerv.com and click on events to find out the locations of our nationwide women's RV workshop tour. We'll see you there. Now back to you, Mike and Jen. 
Now, if you go to the show notes for this episode, you'll find links to some of those tools uh, and you can look and see some of the things that are available out there. Uh, thanks to Brenda for that. Uh, we've got RV questions of the week and that's coming up right after this. Are you ready to embark on an unforgettable adventure in your RV? Our RV Lifestyle Travel Guide eBooks are your ultimate companions for exploring North America's most breathtaking destinations. They'll help you hit the road with confidence and make the most out of your RVing experience. We're Mike and Jennifer Wendland, and we are passionate explorers and the authors of an entire library of RV Travel Guide eBooks. We have meticulously put together detailed travel maps showing you the best routes, where to stay, what hidden gems to discover along the way. From the majestic Yellowstone National Park to the vibrant colors of Colorado, the awe-inspiring beauty of Utah, the enchanting deserts of Arizona, the tranquil Great Lakes region, the pristine wilderness of the Adirondacks, We've even done a captivating three-part guide to RV travel and camping in Florida. No matter where your wanderlust takes you, we've got you covered. Our curated list of must-see attractions ensures that you won't miss out on any unforgettable experiences. You want to witness the eruption of Old Faithful? We've got you covered. Craving an epic road trip through breathtaking landscapes? We've got the perfect route for you. Dreaming of beachside camping under the stars? We know the best spots. With our eBooks available for instant download at rvlifestyle.com books, you can have the knowledge you need right at your fingertips. Head over to rvlifestyle.com books and start exploring the wonders of North America today. Unforgettable adventures are waiting. All right. Welcome back. It's time for the RV question of the week. And I should tell you that we love getting your questions and you can send us your questions um, through our private email address. And that's Mike and Jen at RVLifestyle.com. Do you want to handle the question? Okay. Our first question is, we have decided to become snowbirds and we'll set out for Florida right after Halloween and stay until April or May. We want to stay right on the beach in our 24-foot travel trailer. Where would you recommend? Lexi and Bryce. Well, Lexi and Bryce, I don't want to sound critical, but um, did you guys do your homework here? <laughs> I mean, if you think that you can find a seasonal beach rental spot in Florida this year, um, you're about a year too late. I mean, they really, they're not that many beachfront uh, RV spots. We'll put a link in the show notes to a list of the ones that we recommend, but they're expensive. They cost about a hundred bucks a night and up. Um, and you really need to book those about a year in advance. Wouldn't you say? Oh yeah. At least, at least a year in advance. Um so this year, it's going to be hard for you to find anything on the beach, let alone anything closer to the beach, even nice seasonal spots, because that's what you want as a snowbird is something you can rent long term. They're hard to find. 
Now, that's not saying there aren't any. There, there's always cancellations, but you are going to need to be really intentional and uh, and work hard. You need to get online, get on the phone right now, and uh, and work it uh, really hard. And and I think you might be lucky to still find something, but I I don't think it'll be on the beach. Um, we'll put a link in the show notes to a blog post we did on our fl- favorite Florida beach sites. And we'll also link to, uh, we have a three, uh, three book series on um, camping in Florida, RV travel guides for RVers. And we'll put a link to that. And that has lots of great Florida campground information, but you're going to have to look um, real hard <laughs> if you want one this year. You need to start in advance. And in maybe, year, maybe when you're looking for this year, you can ask them about next year. Yeah. And maybe get on a, a couple of lists. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I've heard that sometimes they're a year and a half out. Some of them will not take a, uh, bookings, uh, unless it's 12 months or less. Uh, but you, you've got to get on the phone and work it and, um, uh, good luck. Let us know how you make out on that, but it's something that you got to start. Much earlier, I think. And I often wonder about people who go back year after year after year, if uh, the owners of the park like that, because they know the people and sure. they like to do that because it's because, you know, the people. And and it really is fun. So many people do go back year after year. I remember we one of our favorite campgrounds is in Key West, which is on the beach. It's on the water anyway. Uh, Boyd's Campground. It's a big campground. It's an old campground. Spots are really close together, but it's very popular just outside of Key West. And uh, it, it, these people go back year after year after year and rent the same exact spots. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think you'll find on many of the, the beach sites in Florida. They're building more. Uh, they lost a few from the hurricane last year, but uh, most are coming back online now. And But uh, get to work. <laughs> Let us know, uh, Lexi and Bryce, what you find out. Hey, that's the podcast for this week. And uh, you can find complete notes, show notes, everything at rvlifestyle.com slash podcast. We want to hear from you again. Our email, Mike and Jen at rvlifestyle.com. Thank you guys so much for watching. Happy trails. Happy trails.